Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Gabby. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 344, exclamation point. And why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. What's our mission again? The best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. No, that's my little quote, but what's oh. the one you've been working on? Oh, well, it's kind of long. Oh. I don't have it right I thought in front we had like a little tagline that we were going to like... Um, you know, the inquisitive one we were working on the other day. Yeah, I remember. And <laughs> I can't remember, but it was good. It was so good. It was so good. On today's show, we are going to talk about grief. Uh, we are going to talk How about... How do I frame this? Well, yeah, I think grief is part of it. And I also just think it's how our the human capability to accept emotional expression. I think it's... Oh, what's this? Oh, Michael. Stipe. I googled um, sad songs, and this was on many lists. It is a sad song. Do you remember the video? What about the name of it? It's called Everybody Hurts. They do. You want to hear some other... I'm not going to play the songs themselves, but a list of saddest songs of all time? Is Sad Songs Say So Much by Elton John on there? I don't think so. Okay. Tears in Heaven? Yes. Because of what that song yes. is about. Hurt by Johnny Cash. Yes. Wake Me Up When September Ends Green Day. Yes. You know what? What? That song, um, uh, it's personal experience here, but that song was popular right after I miscarried oh, once. Wow. And I remember being like, God, this song speaks to me on a really deep level. This it? Mm-hmm. And then I'll play one more for you, too. Summer has come and passed. We didn't even get to hear one sentence. <laughs> Sorry, sweetie. I was like there and then I wasn't. What about this one? Paul McCartney of Liverpool. Opportunity knocks. <laughs> Yesterday. Mm. This is number three. All my troubles seem so far away. Sounds a little fuzzy. Yeah, it's because it's in black and white. A few others are Stan by Eminem. Never heard of it. Okay. Um, Wish You Were Here, Pink Floyd. Yeah, that's a great one. My Immortal by Evanescence. Yeah. I know the song, but I don't love it. Creep by Radiohead. Yeah. You I know that one. I know it, but I don't know why it's sad. How to Save a Life by The Fray. Yeah. And Stairway. No Stairway. Denied. Do you know why I'm excited why? to play all these clips? Why? Is because I, I subscribe to YouTube Red, yeah? which means there's no ads. So I just click on it and it plays. Wow. That would be a, a welcome change because everything is ads. Well, and whenever I do these shows, I have to I cut the ads out right. just so our listeners don't have to listen. But anyways... So I'm, a, I'm like a kid in a toy store. There was a, there was one that you just said, oh, wish you were here. That one affects me too. Not necessarily a personal story like uh, the Green Day song, but um, we're just two lost souls swimming in a fishbowl, right? That's right. Can't forget about that. Yeah, this is one of the prettier songs out there and also sad. Yeah, it's, it's heavy. I just think that's a great sentence. Don't yeah, you? I could probably say all the lyrics right now without even having to look them up. That's why I'm so good. So, so you think you can tell. Heaven from hell. 
Blue Skies from Pain. Or is it Blue Skies from Gray? No, it's Blue Skies from Pain. I don't know. Eh, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Thank you, David Gilmore and Roger Waters, whoever. Which of you two who wrote that song? Well, and let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about music and how when someone has experienced pain or they are going through grief, um, one of the ways to deal with it is creativity. We talked about this last week. We did. You make beautiful things by sharing a personal experience. Yeah. Because even if you're sharing a personal experience and you're like, I, you think you're the only one who has ever felt that way, or even if you're explaining it through your lens and the way it happened to you, the feeling translates and people can relate mm-hmm. and people then feel normalized and they fe- feel held and they feel like they're in community rather than all by themselves. Right. So I am so grateful to music because especially in my middle school and teen years mm-hmm. and college as well, I-, I don't know what I would have done without it. Yeah. I mean, do you remember being so... Yeah, those like are your best... Isn't there a line in um, Almost Famous where uh, Kate Hudson's character says, you know, if you're just kind of lost, you go and hang with your friends. And her the friends are the albums. The albums, yes. Light a candle and hang with your friends. And which I, was a, a little sad for me, but at the same time, meaningful. Like, so meaningful. Your friends are your music, but yeah, sometimes your friends are music. Yes. Well, and the music just reminds you that it's out there and that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Like it's a kind of a, uh, it's a bridge, Mm -hmm. you know, it connects you to something when you're alone in your own mind and you think you're the only one who's experienced something. um, That's hard to tolerate. When you feel like you're part of a community, you feel held. Yes. Um, So I agree with that. And I remember, you know, thinking that once I got out of college, that somehow music would be like I'd be over it or done with it. Right. And I this is a funny story. One of my uh, really good friends – so my sister is two years older than me. Mm-hmm. And when I was graduating from college, I was talking about my sister, something that she was doing, and I happened to mention that she went to a live show or a concert. <laughs> One of my really good girlfriends said, oh, my gosh, she still listens to music? Mm-hmm. As if by the age of 24 we were going to be all done. Yeah, I remember as a kid – You know, I don't know. My parents were kind of into music. I know yours – Yeah, they were. Yeah. My parents were. And as a kid, you just think that music is yours and nobody else's. And then us kids end up adults. And it was, it's, I I don't want to say it's as important as it used to be. I'm sadly too busy doing other things to give my music enough attention. Well, our world has expanded. I mean, I feel like when you're growing up, there is that sense of everything revolves around me. Right. And as you get older, you realize that everything revolves around many things. And so you you don't necessarily get to listen to music all day and to contemplate your own existence, even though we all go into that place sometimes. Um, But I think that it is still super important to me. And I have so many stories related to music that it's how I tell my life story right. as as so many people I know share that experience with me so grief grief let's uh, why let's talk about why it's important we're talking about because a lot of people will be like wow it sounds like a little bit of a downer why is it important well first of all because I've been having my own grief experiences for m- multiple reasons and I think sometimes just using that word grief, um, 
allows us to handle those feelings better. When right. you understand what's happening, it doesn't mean that you have control over it and that you don't feel it anymore. It gives you a frame of reference. It gives you a context. And I know that there has been a lot of people who've been grieving for their own reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we discuss grief, again, it's about building a community. It's about saying, um, you know, everyone has been there. Yeah. Everybody has felt this. And when you have that kind of sense of structure, around it and structure is a bad word when you have that frame of reference then i feel like you can move through it maybe a little smoother right um with a greater understanding um but let me say this i was listening to uh the podcast uh it's called the good life project i highly recommend it um for those of you who are podcast listeners because if you're listening to this you are i know that you are um jonathan fields does this good life project and i feel like his podcasts are super well produced and he often has really wonderful guests. And um, I listened to one of the shows with a woman named Megan Devine. And she is a therapist, a, a clinical social worker like I am. And actually, is she a psychologist or a th- clinical I therapist? I don't know. It doesn't matter. She is a therapist. And she had um, tragedy in her life about eight years ago. Um, what happened was she was taking a walk with her partner um, this uh, man named Matt, and it was this was her family, um, and she hit her. They were walking somewhere by a river, and he, as she would say, he was part mountain goat. Like mm-hmm. he lived in nature, and he this river was his river, and he swam in it his whole life. But for some reason that day, there was something going on where I think she said that the water had risen. Yeah, the water was high. So the river behaved a little bit differently, even though it appeared to be the same. The same. Um, And he uh, went into the river and he drowned and it happened in front of her uh, and she couldn't do anything about it. So it was one of those moments of life where she experienced uh, such trauma and then had such profound grief after that she discovered all of these um, had, had all of these amazing insights about first of all her own therapy practice um and how she was helping people through their own grief and how in her own words she felt like she was doing a horrible job of it after she experienced grief she realized what her clients were experiencing and how she She's like, I know I was doing good work with them, but I wasn't really reaching them where they needed to be reached. And then she, through time, and again, I'm giving you, she's still working through this. This yeah. was not like This a, happened in 2011, maybe? Eight, I think. Because oh, I think it's been eight years. Okay. Um, but she's basically created this website about grief, and she's very invested in making sure that clinicians know how to be with people who are grieving. And her greatest message, and Todd's going to play some clips from from the podcast, but her greatest message is that some things in life can't be fixed. They can only be carried. Mm -hmm. And I think that that statement is so powerful because as clinicians and even as parents, and this is why I think this is valuable for this show, we think that when our children or our clients are going through something that we need to fix them and get them back to a better state. And so our mindset is how do I get them to change what they're feeling and so they can be better? Mm-hmm. And her perspective is you don't need to change anybody. What you need to do is you need to allow for what's happening and hold that space for that person that's having that experience. And instead of telling them that they need to get somewhere else, tell them that they're safe where they are. Do you know how powerful that is to me? Well, and let's – in terms of parenting – 
Oh my gosh. Right. Forget about the grieving a death of a loved one or something like this. What you just said works beautifully with the idea of us always thinking that we have to fix our kids or resolve their problems or help them out when really, and we've talked about this on the show many times in the past, but to create space to allow those feelings to organically express themselves. Yes. But what happens is when my nine-year-old, like she did this morning, had a bad morning and she was driving me a little batty because the syrup wasn't coming out fast enough or something like that. It's a tough road. It'd be very easy for me to you know, shut her down or shame her or make her feel bad. Like, And it's just allowing it to go unwind. through, unwind, if you can. And the syrup is the, you know not coming out. It has nothing to do with the syrup not coming out. And no. as parents, that's the thing we have to back away from. Yeah. Is it's not about fixing the syrup. It, maybe it's because it's a Monday morning and she's not she's not excited to go to school. Maybe it's because she had a bad night of sleep. But we focus on the one stimulant, right. which is the syrup. Right. How, Skylar? How can you forget about the syrup? You know, like I just start shaming her or whatever, and I didn't because I was smart enough and had enough space in my body to allow for her to do it. I don't always do it that way, mm-hmm. but this morning I did. So this, everything that we're going to talk about when this during this woman's interview, think about it in terms not only just from grieving a tragedy that mm-hmm. she grieved, think about it in terms of everyday stuff when it comes to parenting. Beautiful. And, and what Todd said is so true that her experience comes from something that is very difficult for anyone to process, which she's going to explain because it was so unexpected and shocking and, and you know, I'm putting this in air quotes, but wasn't supposed to happen right. that way, you know, that kind of thing. But we have to remember that we grieve many different things. That sometimes it's a traumatic experience like that, that that basically shakes up your entire world. And sometimes it's it's different levels. And I don't even want, you know, we never want to on this show compare pain because I think it's a worthless activity, but we can look at grief in many different ways. Yeah. Like it's not just about only this kind of trauma. There are many different traumas that people experience and based on who the person is, it's going to affect them in whatever way. Right. So um, Todd, why don't you start with... Um, I hope you're about to say the first one because that's the one I've queued up. Hey, Todd, why don't you start with the first one? All right. Here we go. Hopefully it's... And then give me this sign when you want me to be done. Right. I think we have this idea sometimes that we, if we are rooted enough in our practice, that we will never fight anything, that we'll never be upset about something. Uh, I've talked a lot about the incredibly crappy things that I heard after Matt died and that grieving people here, you know, when their lives explode. And I think one of the most insidious is this idea that if your spiritual practice was deep enough, you would not be so upset by this. And, you know, the, the Eastern traditions tell us that we shouldn't be so attached. Well, neurobiologically attachment is survival. Of course we attach to each other. Of course we're upset. Of course we're destroyed when somebody we love is ripped out of our lives. The point of practice is not that you're unflappable, but that you have roots or a container that can hold you no matter how destroyed you feel. All right, there we go. Okay. So you guys may need to like back up and re-listen to that even again, Mm -hmm. because that, that, thing that she just said is so powerful to me. And as Todd will attest, the third time I listened to it, I still cried when I heard it. This is why. As a therapist and as someone who teaches Eastern thought, um, you know, mindfulness and non-attachment and, you know, finding the good in things and, you know, recognizing the bliss and all those kind of things, there is this place where we can start to use that against each other. Mm. And we have to be so thoughtful 
about blending wonderful Eastern thought that is super helpful to our well-being, but our humanity alongside. Because what she said is something that I have personally experienced and something that I've shamed myself for, which is if I was deeper, if I was more spiritual, these things wouldn't affect me the way they do. And not only is that an internal shame, but I believe, um, and I said to Todd, I said, gosh, I hope I have never done this. And if I have to anybody listening, I apologize from the deepest part of my heart because your humanity, you know, like she said, neurobiologically, we are born to connect to people. So when we have a loss, either through someone's death or I know there's a lot of families that are struggling right now with different ideologies and, you know, maybe not getting along or friends that aren't talking. When we are having those kind of losses, that hits us at a cellular level. And even if you have the most deep meditation practice, that doesn't keep you, again, I'm putting this in air quotes, (laughs) that doesn't keep you from feeling it. This is a misunderstanding we have. Meditation, mindfulness, non-attachment, self-understanding does not protect you from having to feel pain. It supports you when you are feeling pain. Because feeling pain is a human experience. Exactly. People often use these these things we talk about on the show as almost like a protective shield. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to do these things so nothing ever happens to me. And that's not it. It almost becomes a superstition for some people. Like if I don't meditate this morning, then something bad will happen to me. You can't keep life from occurring. What you can do is set a stage to handle what occurs in life. Mm-hmm. Does that does that feel better? Yeah, well, and, and how you're going to deal with it when life you know, throws you a curveball, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. And this is something I'm completely guilty of. You and I have had conversations, and I don't know if this will connect, but you know, where we have an argument or a disagreement and I'll be thinking about all these things that I could do next time to prevent this from happening. And that's my logical and practical brain kicking into high gear. And um, when you, what you said to me was, it's going to happen again. Of course. Allow it to happen. And the same goes for grief. Like we're always trying to protect ourselves from any sadness or disappointment because it's uncomfortable. And I, I don't think we're saying... That doesn't mean you invite pain in, Mm -mm. but it means that when it does happen to allow it to go through the process. The one story I told you is I remember Wayne Dyer, who's one of our best teachers, told a story of a man whose son had tragically passed away. And and, and we disagree with Wayne's teaching on this part. Well, it's not. Yes. Tell the story and then let's. So the man basically. So Wayne basically said the man decided to have a party for the memory of his son right after he died. Mm -hmm. So he kind of skipped the sadness, grief, and said, I'm just going to decide that my son was amazing. And, you know, in a moment when I heard that, I'm like, oh, that's kind of a cool thing. Like just kind of skip over it and move to the celebration. But that's not real. Well, and here's here's the part of that story that we don't know is he could have moved to the celebration and then grieved after. Yeah. Like we don't know what right. his process was. Let's assume was. that he skipped it and eliminated it. It's, it's just not human. Yeah. And that's the piece. We're always trying to fight our humanity. We're fighting against what is, yeah. as you know, Byron Katie would say. I've been reading a lot of Byron Katie lately about accepting what is. Mm-hmm. And the more that you accept what is, then we can actually move forward. But when we keep fighting against what is, then we're stuck and we're stuck in our fear and we're stuck in our pain. Yeah. And 
I think what Megan Devine in this podcast did so well was she reminded us that we have the capacity to handle things Mm -hmm. that I think, you know, one word that um, that I love that was used in this podcast, but is used all the time in my world of work is the word uh, poignant. You know that word, Todd, poignancy? Yeah. And basically poignancy is intense, sincere, heartfelt, um, sometimes even uncomfortable. You know, like this poignancy where basically it's that deep empathy where you feel something go through you. And it something can have poignancy and you can handle it. And you can not only handle your own experience with pain, but when someone is having a pain experience, you can be present for it and allow it to be. It will be poignant. It could be intense. It could send kind of that shockwave of of discomfort through you, but you are built to do it. Mm -hmm. Like that's the humanity piece that that I'm afraid gets lost when we go too Eastern in our thought and we think, well, if I'm mindful... And if I meditate and if I do my mantras, then I won't have pain again. Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, a misunderstanding. I, I believe that that keeps us in a shame cycle. Yeah. Well, and to your, and I don't know if it's necessarily the, you know, you talked about the Eastern and Buddhist philosophy is non-attachment right. and things like that. And I think she said it in that clip is like the East teaches you not to attach to certain things. Right. And the West is all about attachment, I feel like. And so this is that balance between, because if we're attached to everything all the time, that's the opposite of mindfulness. But if you have a complete detachment, that's not healthy either. And a lot of us who kind of, you know, we have a podcast called Zen Parenting Radio. A lot of people kind of interpret that as the only way to deal with things is with these Eastern philosophies. Mm -hmm. And the West is such a consumerism and all that. And that's not true. There's a balance to be found in between these two ideas. And that it, that's constantly evolving. It's not a perfect balance. It's not a, I'll take two thirds of this. And it, it's not, it's every moment carries a different need. So there's no way to break this out logically and say, I'll do this, this, and this, and then I'll add it to this. And then I have my equation that works. This is not math. Right. This is a paradoxical agreement. Yes, thank you. Where you have to be open to the fact that you will sometimes be at the mercy of your neurobiology, which is being connected to people because that's exactly why we're here. So think about this, you guys. Everything we talk about on this show is why are we here? Why? I don't have the meaning of life for you, but I do know in my deepest gut and also we know through research is why are we here to connect to each other human beings connect to each other this is how we survive this is how we relate so that's one thing so if we lose someone or if we lose something that's meaningful to us that connection is broken so then of course we feel pain yeah now we can then use mindfulness and meditation and the the concepts of non-attachment and understanding how our brain is working to help us find a little separation between so we can continue to move through our lives right. and not get stuck. Paralyzed. Not be paralyzed. Thank you. We, we don't need to go into you know fight or flight over everything. Or when we do go into fight or flight, we use those mm-hmm. uh, that that awareness and that understanding. But to think that we aren't supposed to be connected or aren't supposed to be affected by things is is being 
disconnected from our humanity. Well, and I don't know if this story will translate, but I remember when I was little, I, we had some neighbors and they were Greek and the woman's dad died. Uh-huh. And, I, and I might be screwing this up, but I thought that the tradition was for this, for the, so the woman wore black for like 30 days. Okay. And she was in grief. She was grieving the death of her father. And as a kid, I just remember like, wow, man, that's like one twelfth of a year to kind of lose yourself to the death of this loved one. And we talked a little bit about this yesterday in the car. Like I'm putting my judgment on her, the way she chooses to grieve. And I've had some of those experiences in my own personal life with the way certain loved ones have chosen to grieve. And that's about me. That's your discomfort. That's my discomfort. Now, and think of it, when you just said that, that the woman chose to wear black for 30 days and you were like, oh my gosh, she's losing part of her life. Mm-hmm. What makes you think her life is supposed to be different than grieving? Yeah. Like, why do you think she's she's wasting time yeah. spending her time thinking about someone that was meaningful <laughs> yeah. to her? Isn't that what we're here for? Right. So that's a judgment, like Todd's owning, that is a judgment in its, in itself that we are somehow wasting time by feeling something for something we lost or Longer someone. than I think, okay, well, you have a funeral, maybe you have a bad week, but then after that, you get on with your life. And that is my story that I'm putting upon her. And that is also, not only is it your story, but it is your discomfort creating that story. Mm-hmm. Because really you're saying like, let's get through this. Mm-hmm. Let's move through this. This is really uncomfortable. And the poignancy is push is uh, making you push it away. Yeah. You're like I'll I'll be cool with you wearing black for 5 days but after that I'm done. Right. I'm out. Right. We do this in our in our society, you know. You have a a parent who dies or a friend or whatever it may be and they're like, "Okay, you can take one day off work. We'll see you on Wednesday though." Right. What what do we think happened in that day right. that we're done? Yeah. And I don't mean that then we take a month off, but what I mean is we could still go back to work but have people honor that we're still moving through this pain. It's not about you you're going to take time off work. It's about is it okay to still feel this? Mm. And one thing that's super important because I know we talked about um the stages of grief a couple weeks ago is this is not a linear thing. You don't like go from this to this to the, you know, you don't you're not in denial and then you're angry and then you're depressed and then you're like, I'm done. You go back and forth and back and forth. And in some people, even according to uh, Megan Devine, she said even Elizabeth Kubler-Ross believed that this whole like um, concept of grief and moving through those stages were almost unhelpful to people mm-hmm. because it put too much structure around it and that people would feel bad if they didn't go through this stage or that stage. And so the most important thing is as clinicians and as coaches and as people who are helping other people with and as parents, as people who are put in charge of helping other people with their emotions, we have to understand what we're doing or else we're perpetuating something negative. If we aren't capable of being present for the emotions of others, then... then, Forget about trying to get your kids to be able to be present for the emotion of theirs. Exactly. It's funny. We talked about this. On this Friday's show, where we interview Dr. John Duffy and his wife, Julie, uh and I remember saying something to you during that interview, like, we spend 90, you know, we're talking about how schools have their priorities a lot of whack because it's all about math and English and all that. And I said, you know, most of our attention 
is based on the emotional uh, literacy of our daughters. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's like 90%. And you, you, you challenged me and corrected me saying, actually, most of our time is spent on the emotional well-being of ourselves. Correct. And because as parents, you know, the reason you're listening to this podcast is probably because you want to be a better parent. Right. When really this show isn't about being a better parent. It's about a better, be, about about being a better version of yourself. That was almost like a Peter Piper picked. Pretty close. Um, you know what? Exactly true. And then the offshoot of understanding your own emotional experience and being able to tolerate the poignancy of life then creates the opportunity to be the best parent you can be. Yeah. So we have to back up, and you don't need to play the back up, beep, beep, um, beep. and recognize that so we can be available to the people we love most. Interesting word you just chose, available. Available. That's John Duffy's book. Correct. So why don't you play the next clip? Before I do that, can I talk about our first and only sure. partner for this week? Please. It's speakaboos.com. Yes. So what is Speakaboos? It's an app that you can put on your iPhone or your Android, and it is a vehicle to get your kids to love reading at an early age. It's designed for kids between two and six years old, and it really makes reading fun. I actually got on it, and it's uh, it's kind of fun to do. They have over 200 stories available throughout Speakaboos, including Burton Ernie, who I'm a big fan of, and it's sorted by uh, different categories, vehicles, robots, animals, dinosaurs, princesses, bugs, and more. Um, so here's what uh, you can do. Search iTunes and your Google Play app store, or head to speakaboos.com and start building your child's love for reading today. And as a special offer, you'll receive your choice of either a seven or a 30-day free trial of Speakaboos when you subscribe. So, all right. So now we're playing the second clip. So yeah, play the second clip um, about global trauma. And I think this kind of brings together everything we've been talking about. Very perplexed face, but like this is what I'm talking about is that in we do this whenever there's global trauma or war or, you know, environmental destruction, all of these things. It's almost like we don't think our human containers can can withstand that so we we go into judgment and blame and here's why this happened and all of these sort of top level arguments about why this shit happens instead of just being able to look at each other and say ow right it's it's okay to look at each other and say ow we don't have to jump into arguing about who's right and who's wrong and what the hell we're going to do about it the first thing to do is triage which is match your heart with somebody else and recognize the pain they're in it's very simple it's not easy, but it's very simple. Yeah, and it also. Okay, you got to give me this. Uh, I was doing the. I was yeah, doing my yeah. fingers the wrong right. way. Sorry about that. So why this that sentence or that thing that she said is so important is because this is the other piece of us not being able to handle pain. We go into blame and judgment, and we try and figure out why we would never do such a thing or why that thing would never happen to us. We create a wall or a kind of a a boundary or border around ourselves that says this would never happen to me because they did this wrong. Or if something like that happened to me, I would handle it different than they did. And, you know, she, uh, Megan, she was talking about how one thing that she read after her partner died was that there was this article about how the reason that Matt died in that river was because he wasn't wearing a life jacket. Right. And that she she just used that as an example of people are so uncomfortable with this happening and the the unnaturalness or the this incurrence being so surprising that they have to create a story around it. They have to 
say something to justify maybe why this would never happen to them. Exactly. Because of their own sense of discomfort, as opposed to supporting this woman as she struggles through this process. And just like she said, matching your heart with someone. And again, parents, matching your heart with your kids, Mm -hmm. clinicians, coaches, matching your heart with your clients, and just saying, Ouch. Not, well, why did that happen? Or well, who said that? Like or, if it's a car accident, you're like, oh, were they wearing their, like that's, but that's like our human, at least that's the way I sometimes go to is like, you know, what would I have done differently correct. in this situation? So if you do find yourself in that position, like I would, um, you know, first of all, don't say it out loud <laughs> and then, you know, bless yourself for, it because that is just because it pops in your head doesn't mean you're wrong. It's like have a filter of when you're talking to somebody who's in grief. Beautiful. Ted, that's so good because you're so right that we are going to judge and naturally be human and and draw lines around it and say, well, they did this and I would never do that, so that wouldn't happen to me. We do that in our own brains, but it doesn't mean we need to put that out there. That's really part of our own grieving process of trying to find a place for this. Like Sometimes when I'm in uh, deep grief about something, I, I've said to Todd before, and I write this all the time, is I'm having a hard time compartmentalizing this because right. that's what we want to do. We want to compartmentalize it and put it somewhere so we can say that's normal or I'm going to be okay because – and sometimes things can't be easily compartmentalized. Like some things in life cannot be fixed. They can only be carried. And carried doesn't mean a monkey on your back or a weight. They mean it's almost like a – this is exactly uh, like Jeff Foster's quote. Tell me. You just said uh, it doesn't mean to be fixed. It needs to be carried. And Jeff Foster's words were, it doesn't need to be healed. It needs to be held. Beautiful. And the the way Jeff describes it is is more, I don't know, that connects with me more than the way this lady did mm-hmm. or the way you did, but it's the same thing. It is. And maybe her language is more therapeutic yeah, right. and his language is more spiritual, yeah. but they see, this is the thing. They mean the same thing right. and that we don't have to go around fixing ourselves and others. What we need to do is have an understanding and a connection because if you have felt pain and someone else has felt pain, your heart is already matched with theirs, yeah. but we so quickly want to say they're different than me. That would never happen to me. I would never do that. I would never say that. And do you want to tell the the quick story about going by the um, the mall, the experience you had yesterday? Um, oh yeah, yeah. So we we're going to uh, Kathy's sister's house yesterday and had a wonderful pre Thanksgiving festival. And on the right hand side, there's this huge outlet mall. And at this outlet mall, you just see thousands of cars. They actually built another parking lot because they couldn't hold all the cars. And it's before Thanksgiving and people are starting getting into the shopping mode of Christmas that I subscribe to and I love Christmas and I love buying presents for my kids. But yet, whenever I drive past that place, it gives it's a, there's a pit in my stomach like, do all these people really need all the things that they're about to buy? While at the same time, I don't go to outlet malls, but you know what I do? I get on Amazon.com and I and I buy stuff. So I'm no different than they are, yet I find myself judging those people because they happen to drive to a place as opposed to me going to Amazon.com. So it's it's they're they're just holding up a mirror to me of what I, if 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 consumerism really drives me crazy, then why is it that I, you know, just bought a paddleboard <laughs> a paddleboard thing on Amazon last right. week? And, you know, do I need that? No, that's something I use to 
bring myself enjoyment, but it's not like one of the Maslow hierarchy of needs. Right. It's a pleasure. Right. So I don't know. It's just I judged those pe- Every time I drive by, I judge that well, the people and in that a, mall. It was a good discussion because we were actually talking about this podcast as we were driving there. And Todd, when at, like he said, every time we go by, he'll like say, oh, those cars and those people. And my comment to him is, Todd, that's their bar. Mm-hmm. Like, or that, and when I'm saying their bar, I mean like the way people will grab a drink or the way people will gossip. Or the, And when I'm saying people, me too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying I'm different than these people. But that is a way to go do something that bring that that numbs things out for a while. Yeah. It feels good to buy. And I'm not saying it's a good choice or a bad choice. I'm just saying let's see it for what it is. Yeah. Let's recognize what people are doing and that we have similar tendencies and we may view it differently or call it by a different name, but we're doing the same thing. So the lowest level of awareness for something like this is for me to drive by that mall and me to shame them, to blame them, to point their finger and at And say them. those people. Those people. Mm-hmm. Um, when in fact, so the second level is for me to actually... Um, own up to the fact that I do the exact same thing, Correct. just using a different channel. Correct. I happen to do it online and they happen to do it- At the mall. Uh, so then if it really triggers me that much, th- then my third level awareness might be, maybe I don't shop on Amazon nearly as much as I think I need to. And I'm not saying I'm there. But see, th- that's action oriented. Mm-hmm. And what we're trying to talk about is why can't that just be? Like, why can't you just carry the understanding right. that yeah, you that's are level similar? Two. But if it's really something that triggers me, then I should do, I should model my life after it. Maybe, but you're giving them levels as if there's a pinnacle or a place that we have to reach. And I think what I is most important to me in this show mm-hmm. is can we just accept? Right. So let's just stay at level two, yeah. even though I'm just making these levels up. Right. And I'm not necessarily agreeing with the levels. That's what you. I'm trying to challenge you on is that you're saying I need to be better than I am. Right. What if you just are this right now? And I am that. I'm, you know, some, what if you didn't need to be fixed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, Here's the most important part. I'm just, I, I think the reason I'm bringing it up is because I just don't want to be um, Unconscious a, pro- a projector. Right. Like I, I just don't want to blame people for stuff I'm doing. That's the, all. The less you're judgmental of yourself, yes. the less you'll be so judgmental of So what you're saying is love yourself yes, through your Amazon and then it. you'll love those people exactly. driving down the mall. Instead of go jump to the doing, yeah. which is I'm going to buy less and I'm going to, because that can turn into then something where you're judging again. Well, then somebody, you know, there's, I think this is from Eckhart, but you know, there talks about inflated egos. When right. you think of inflated ego, you, you think of privileged uh, rich people. Right. When there could be somebody who is panhandling, who, ju- who who is there just and is so quick to tell everybody how they don't need anything. Correct. You know what I mean? There's It's hypocrisy. Yes. We are, and this is something I think that's very relevant right now yeah. in this time in life, is that there's this hypocrisy of these people are this way, but I'm not. And then there's, well, those, you guys are this way, but I'm not. When really we're all doing the same thing. Yeah. And if we could be less judgmental and shame inducing inside our own selves, mm-hmm. if we were less internally shameful and judgmental, we would not judge others. We put out what's going on inside. So there's a part of me, I think what you're saying is there's an unconscious or maybe semi-conscious part of me that judges every time I click on buy now on Amazon. Yes. 
and I'm not even owning up to that. Correct. So own it and love yourself when you're buying your inflatable paddle boards. And, may, and that doesn't mean then go buy 10 paddle boards. It's not about then I could... See, the fear is we believe if we let ourselves off the hook, we're going to go crazy. Mm. There's this belief that we have that if we actually... We're like, okay, I'm not going to shame myself. Myself, then I'm going to go nuts in the world and buy up a hundred paddleboards. Yeah. When actually stopping the shame gets us to a new level of awareness where we don't need all that stuff. Yeah. Do you see? The as um, who was it? Carl Rogers said, "People change." as soon as they accept who they are in that moment. Yeah. Then they have the capacity to change. Yeah. But you don't change through... You're just fear, starts guilty, with and acceptance. shaming. Exactly. It starts with acceptance. It does. So... Um, so actually, it actually starts with awareness. awareness. Then you got to accept. And it's not linear. Yeah. This is the other part of this show is, I'm again, I'm talking about all these deep thoughts and, and deep awarenesses. You're going to go in and out of them. Mm-hmm. You're not going to one day be so aware that you never yeah, do it again. It's not an, an arrival. I am 45 years old, and I have been going in and out of awareness my entire life. And I expect to do that my entire life. Chop wood, carry water. That's right. Enlightenment is not... A pin is not a place you reach it's where not you a destination, stay. Right. It is something. It's every moment you can have enlightenment, but then you may go out of enlightenment, and then you may. It's like a it, enlightenment is not a destination. Mm. It's a choice yeah. in a moment. It's a journey. It's a journey. Okay. Um, I kind of feel I want to do some housekeeping stuff because you want to go to yoga in thirteen minutes. Let's go, and we missed. We them. missed them. So to both of you, I am so sorry about that. Todd told me we we skipped you guys, and I apologize. Sorry, Julian, Gabe, and then Stephen, David, and Matthew Hokinson, and Jacqueline Lau, and Peg Jividen. You guys, thank you. Where's the clap? Uh, clap for Rooney's cheese and bologna. Thank you so much. Um, you guys, we've already given um, plenty of tickets away, meaning we've given free tickets to certain people. And so you're just helping us do that more. So if you're listening and you want to uh, help us help others get to the conference, go to uh, zengetsreal.com and go to the registration page. Even if you're not coming to the conference, you can still donate and be a Zen friend. So that would be much appreciated. Thank you. And for those of you who I'm doing a pre-conference workshop on Friday, um, and it's called Self-Awareness and Feminine Power, which I'm so excited to um, have this opportunity to facilitate this um this workshop, and I think I only have eight spots left now. So if you were planning to come and you're like, oh, I'll register later, register now because I can only – Todd and I just went and looked at the room last week, and it only holds. It's not even about me trying to – I couldn't make it any bigger than mm-hmm. it is um, because the room only holds a certain amount of people. So go register for that pre-conference workshop, and please come to the conference. Yeah. Yes. We want you there. Yes. Uh, three iTunes reviews. One is from Am Beyonce. And the other is from Carrie S.W. And the last one is from Amber Girl. But you didn't read any of the... Um, their their titles are Love, 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 Just What I Needed, and A Blessing with Each Episode. Oh, thank you. Thanks to all you iTunes reviewers. And then I'll do a shameless promotion of my coaching for guys business. If you're a guy and you want some support, just like Tiger Woods has a swing coach... A lot of guys don't want to ask for help. Is he still relevant, Tiger Woods? Unfortunately not. He's really not, is he? But uh, so anyways, I'll help you guys uh, meet your goals, whether it be relationship or professional or parenting or you name it. So, And you don't have to live in town. We can do it on the phone or Skype or something like that. So go to toddadamscoaching.com. Is Tiger really not golfing anymore? Um, he missed most of the tournaments this year. Oh, but he hasn't, he hasn't formally retired. I was going to say, he's young, though. He's... 
four. He's in his forties. He's an old golfer now. He's our age. Yeah. Gosh. I think he's in his late thirties, early forties. Interesting. So, what else you got? You got anything um, else? You know, I would recommend that that again, re- listening to this. Um, Good Life Project with uh, Jonathan Fields. He has so many good guests. And like, you know, the person we talked about today was Megan Devine. Um, and I I just highly recommend that maybe even you go to her website. Mm. Would, will you look that up, Todd, Megan Devine? Sure. Uh, one thing that's really cool about her website is that um, she's just very, I love people who are very, they're straight talkers, you know, like her on the first page, it said, I made this website for you. This is grief support that doesn't suck. Refuge, refuge in grief.com. Refuge in grief. Yeah. R-E-F-U-G-E. I N grief.com. And she says grief literature is so loaded with misinformation and well-meaning but utterly wrong ideas about what it means to be in pain. So if you are experiencing any kind of pain or grief or if your child is, go to this website and get some information about, you know, how to reframe the experience you're having or that your child is having and allow us to care for each other and join our hearts with each other rather than find judgment or blame in our pain. This Friday, we interview uh, Dr. John Duffy and his wife, Julie. I haven't prepared a clip, so I'm just going to press play and see where we end up. (laughs) All right. To a person kind of like awe-inspiring. And so I think part of it is instead of telling our kids, you're enough, you're good, you know, it's like, drawing it out of them and then reflecting it back to them. Like, whoa, you know, like, Mm -hmm. wow, that's, I think you got this, you know, like, or even if. That's good enough. Thanks, John. Thanks, Julie. You guys are awesome. Yeah, it's a great interview. You guys will enjoy it. We had a blast. We We laughed a lot. We had a good time. Um, So I'll play my outgoing music and happy Thanksgiving. I didn't do my traditional planes, trains, and automobiles movie quotes. That's okay. You can do a turkey gobble. Gobble, gobble. No, gobble, 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 gobble. Let me hear it. Mine might be better. I don't think so. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We're so grateful for you. And I hope that you're feeling the gratitude in your own life, even if you're presented with challenges or grief. Don't miss the other things. At least take a moment of time each day to recognize what's working. And just keep on trucking, man. That's right. Adios. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also just tell a friend about our show. That's our favorite kind of marketing. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen Parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at comments at zenparentingradio.com. And get your early bird tickets for our big Let's Get Real Zen Parenting Conference February 24th and 25th at the Westin in Lombard. Todd and I will be speaking Friday night, and we have Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, and Ali Smith as our keynotes on Saturday. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. (laughs) On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals. The website is toddadamscoaching.com. And we also have a monthly men's group. So if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the tribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop on Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. If you want an amazing vehicle to teach your kids about money management, go to the lower right-hand side of our homepage and click on the FAMZOO logo and enter Zen Finance as a promo code. 
I want to give a special thanks to our three partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, John J. Kelly Dentistry, and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support. Keep on trucking.